My name is Erin Kenny, and I'm a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. Okay, so thanks for tuning in to today's episode, where I am joined by a fellow sports dietitian, Holly Samuel. For those who are new to my podcast, I am the sports dietitian for Wellness in Motion Boston, where I create fueling plans for athletes to improve their performance. And gut health is a big focus of what I work on. And today, Holly and I are going to chat all about gut health and running. So thank you for coming, Holly. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. This is awesome. It's good to finally meet in person. We've been Instagram communicators and friends for a while, but we've never actually seen each other face to face. Yeah, like ships in the night. (laughs) (laughs) So Holly's a registered dietitian and she's a certified personal trainer as well, which I think is the optimal winning combination. And she just relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina from New Hampshire with her husband, her chocolate lab, which I'm sure was crazy amongst this pandemic right now. Yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. It, the, the only good thing was there was really no traffic for that 17 hour drive and <laughs> the gas was really cheap. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, that's definitely a positive attitude to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she grew up competing horses through high school up to college and then started running out of inspiration to relieve stress after the Boston Marathon bombings in college and after hating running. So prior to this, she hated running. Just in case anybody hates running, there's always a chance for you to spark that runner's inspiration, if you will. And since then, she has run several full and half marathons, and now she has a running and wellness-focused nutrition coaching business. Yeah, full circle. (laughs) Amazing. That is awesome. So today, we're going to be talking about how exercise can actually change your gut microbiome, how to prevent digestive issues during training, and some common mistakes that runners make with their fueling. And Holly and I will share some of our favorite pre-mid post-workout nutrition tips that have either worked for us or for our clients. And I'm just really grateful to have her here chatting with me because nutrition is very individualized. And I think, you know, you can probably agree when we're pulling, you know, recommendations, a lot of it is very individualized. There's not a one size fits all. So having different perspectives and having trial and error and things like that, it's all important to take into consideration. Absolutely. So first thing is we all know that exercise can benefit us. And we also know that it can benefit our gut health. In some research study that has been done in humans, uh, they took some lean and some obese individuals who were sedentary, and they found that their gut microbiomes changed in favor of a gut microbiome that reduced the risk of inflammatory disease, as well as type 2 diabetes, obesity, and heart disease. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's been, there's been so much more research lately on all kinds of people and when it comes to exercise. Yeah. And I think we could also, I'm sure you could speak to some other benefits of it. For me, I know it's really great for my mental health and it's kind of a great routine and it challenges me and it's a really great stress reliever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I hated running. (laughs) Like you said, in my bio, I like, you know, I didn't understand why people would do such a thing to themselves. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) when I kind of went to college and my whole like routine was switched up, and I wasn't riding horses as often, you know, I started to get it. um, Because going just out and being outside and moving my body was just a huge stress relief. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think there's so many different types of exercise out there, too. It doesn't just have to be running. Oh, yeah, for sure. It doesn't have to be running. (laughs) But it is a fun sport if you are interested. (laughs) Yeah. And so just like anything in life, which is unfortunate, but too much of a good thing can also be a bad thing. And that's why I really also want to point out that 
exercising too much can also be really harmful, especially for your gut microbiome. And that's for several different reasons, but we have to remember that our guts are a tissue. And when that tissue is under stress or if we're creating inflammation there, then we are at risk of having gastrointestinal issues, which is never fun. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there for sure. (laughs) Anybody that's ever cut a training session short or had to sprint to a porta potty in the middle of a run, raise of hands. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're both raising our hands right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially for people that do have more sensitive stomachs, which is also myself. I've always had a more sensitive stomach or people that have chronic conditions such as irritable bowel syndrome, these people are even more prone to having digestive distress around fuel, around exercise. Yeah, especially the kind of exercise like running where you're kind of jostling that system up and down. It's, it's a muscle, you have to train it. So I think a lot of us don't really understand that and gut health definitely overflows into running and performance. Yeah, that's great. I see a lot of you know, I, and I think of this as myself too, if I'm about to get on a bike, what I eat before a bike versus a run is very, very different. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Now, some of the reasons why people could be experiencing GI or gastrointestinal distress, um, number one is that when we start working out, our blood flow is shunted away from our GI tract and is given to our muscles to give them the energy and the fuel that they need. So it makes sense that we would see some sort of distress when we're trying to put that blood somewhere else and it's not going to be able to be used to digest and do the things that we want to do after we put food in there. Yes. And you will know as soon as that starts to happen, if there's any undigested food sitting in there. (laughs) Now, can you talk about maybe some symptoms that could be that people might notice if they're maybe eating too uh, soon, uh, close to a workout? Oh yeah, absolutely. Too soon or just like the wrong type of thing for your body. Um, Yeah. So some symptoms could include just getting super nauseous. Um, Definitely like coming with that could be vomiting if it's, you know, really extreme acid reflux, kind of like that heartburn feeling. Um, Also feeling the very sudden urge to have to go to the bathroom, um, having diarrhea, that's another one. Um, <laughs> yeah, super fun, especially if there's no public restrooms open like there are right now. <laughs> um, and also another one that's on the you know lesser version, but still very uncomfortable is just like cramping in general um, in your abdominal region and, you know, therefore having to stop your workout or slow down, which is never what anyone wants to do when they're you know, finally making the commitment to get out the door. (laughs) It's hard Um, enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard enough. And then also to some people might find that they just like their legs feel really dead. Like they can't go faster, um, a little dizzy or just brain fog in general. Um, but yeah, a lot of symptoms coming with eating too close to the run or just eating the wrong type of thing for you. Excellent. And then, and then sloshing like in the stomach too, I think that's also one that I've experienced where I've had clients come in and say, it sounds like there's something moving around in there. And that's likely that could be too much fluid. That could be, you know, also some other things, but that's also could be one. Yeah. Have you watched um, the Netflix show, Stranger Things? I have. Yes. Like the demigod. Demigod. (laughs) (laughs) I love using that term. Whenever, whenever something strange happens or like food looks weird or moldy, I'm like, it's a demigorgon. The Demogorgon, it's going to get you. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that we can use that together. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then another reason why people can experience uh, distress around a workout is the weakened barrier between the intestines and the bloodstream. And this is also known as leaky gut. And Holly, and I know this as intestinal hyperpermeability. That's the clinical term for it. And I talk a lot about this in my gut healing guide, as well as tips for healing a leaky gut. But the major reason for this is the fact that our intestines actually use this amino acid called glutamine for fuel. And when our body's under a lot of stress, especially exercise, improper fueling or underfueling is a form of stress or just general inflammation and not giving your body enough time to repair, then this amino acid can actually become depleted, which is not good because it's involved in so many different things that keep our gut healthy, including pro- proliferation of our cells, keeping our gut proteins nice and tight so that things don't travel outside of the gut. 
it protects our cells against apoptosis, which is cell death and other cellular stresses. It also suppresses pro-inflammatory signal pathways. And all of that, I think, is plenty to convince us that glutamine is really important. And I looked into a little bit of research um, just prior to doing this to see if there was anything updated. But I've seen plenty of research over the years showing that supplements for glutamine might be helpful for this. But we also know that there are plenty of foods that contain glutamine, like meat, and, you know, beef and chicken and eggs and things like that, that we can also get in the diet. But that's another reason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, a lot of like more specific research and specific sports is coming out now just around like certain supplementation. And the answer to a lot of it is, oh, you can just find it in food. So <laughs> it's always good to hear that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's great. We have a similar philosophy is a food first mentality. And if we're, if you're an athlete, and a lot of people don't consider themselves athletes, I'm sure you see this a lot too, where they're like, well, I'm not, you know, running marathons or I'm, you know, not doing CrossFit six days a week. But if you're active, you're an athlete and you need to think like one, you need to train like one and eat like one. So I think redefining what it means to be, you know, an athlete and, and fueling like one. Oh yeah. Yeah. You guys can't see, but I'm like nodding my head. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I have people who are like, Oh, I did an Ironman, but like, I wasn't really fast. I'm not an athlete. And I'm like, you completed an Ironman and you don't think you're an athlete. Oh my gosh. Like we got to change that mindset. <laughs> yeah. We are definitely our own worst critics. And in the world that we live in today, where none of us are going to ever feel like we're doing enough. And part of that is because of the media, I think, has created this culture of never enough. And that I think has not only increased the amount of people coming into our offices saying, you know, I'm not feeling good. My import, my performance isn't increasing. My gut health is suffering because we're not properly fueling. Yeah, absolutely. And people don't think, you know, even if we use the terminology, like for athletes, like think about doing this, people might tune it out because they're, they don't identify themselves as an athlete. Yeah. Frustrating. You're selling yourself short. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Don't have to be Tom Brady to be an athlete. No, no, you don't. <laughs> That's a whole nother. I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then anxiety and nerves. So we know that the gut and the brain are directly connected physically and also on a metabolic level that there's those tiny nerves that can trigger all kinds of gut reactions. Just the thought of, oh my gosh, I have to go out for a run. And maybe you're someone who has struggled with digestive issues in the past. I have a lot of clients who have that nerve around, oh my gosh, am I going to have to run to the bathroom? Or am I going to have like that nausea feeling before I work out? And so that anxiety, whether it be the performance anxiety or just the anxiety around the actual GI symptoms that the person's having can cause gut distress, which is, which sucks, right? It's like, you know, you have enough working against you that the stress of all of that. And, and so obviously stress is something that we all face no matter what. And working on that maybe from a mindfulness perspective and also just educating, hopefully taking some of the tips that we talked about today and feeling a little bit more empowered about kind of what's going on in the body. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even just to take it away from running, like even when I used to ride horses, like I remember I was, first of all, I was younger and misinformed and terribly, terribly bad at fueling myself for that sport. Um, like I know a lot of equestrians are, but you know, I wouldn't eat the entire day and then I'd go get on my horse to go into the ring to, you know, do my like competitive round that was judged. And I would almost pass out like all the time, which is a problem when you're riding an animal, um, <laughs> a large one, not to mention. Yeah. And like, you know, galloping it at like objects. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely a huge, huge concern. And I think just becoming more comfortable with yourself and more comfortable around the idea of, oh no, like I should be feeling myself and, you know, I, I am an athlete and this is something that I can do. It can definitely help just ease like the nerves of it all, because you're right. It's like the chicken or the egg sometimes. Yeah. And something that just kind of popped into my head when you said that too, is it, I mean, this could also be an entire other episode, but 
the reason why we're exercising too. So if we're viewing exercise as a form of weight loss, then we're even more prone to GI distress because we're likely under fueling and then we're putting our bodies through that stress versus, again, thinking of yourself, if, if we're really focusing on the benefits of exercise, the benefits of exercise come from you know gaining strength and muscle and improving blood flow and things like that. The benefits that come from exercise cannot happen if we are not properly fueled. That's so, so true, absolutely. Which brings me to the last point here is just the reason for experiencing GI distress is improper fueling techniques and not training the gut properly. Holly brought that exact term in there right in the beginning, you training the gut. Do you want to explain a little bit more about what that means? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'll try to kind of like bring it down a notch just from personal experience. Um, so training your gut. So whenever you start a sport and we'll use running as an example, um, and this could be like, you're just going to go out and jog to that, you know, tree and back, or, you know, you're going to go out for a 60 minute tempo run at goal marathon pace. Either way, you know, your gut, the first time you do those things, your gut is like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it doesn't understand, um, that this is like a process you're going to do every day. So once it becomes more, um, consistent and you're doing this activity more often, your gut will get used to that activity. So at first, you know, you might find that you really can't eat much before you go out for a run. Um, you know, it has to be pretty small or you have to have eaten several hours before. Otherwise you're going to have some sort of symptoms that we talked about during that activity. But, and this is kind of where the double-edged sword is, is, there's a fine line to walk because we want you to keep trying that, you know, fuel so that your gut eventually gets used to just digesting it eventually on the run and you become like a well-oiled machine, so to speak. Um, but you know, if you are trying the same things over and over and over again, and you're still experiencing distress, then it could be related to what you're actually choosing to fuel with. So like just from my own experience, this is going to be TMI, but you're a gut health diet. Never TMI. There is no TMI um, <laughs> on this podcast, but yeah, I mean, my first marathon, I think every single long run I did over like 13 miles, I had to make an emergency bathroom stop. There was one where I didn't make it to the bathroom <laughs> and I came home and I was so excited that I just completed an 18 mile run for the first time that I like hugged my fiance at the time. And he was like, what? <laughs> he was like, you didn't make it to the bathroom, but you're happy. And I was like, you don't understand. Um, but eventually, you know, by the time I got to the marathon, because I just continued to fuel myself and I understood that it was a priority, I had zero issues during my marathon because I just kind of pushed through that barrier and I found out better things that worked for me. But, um, you know, I find that if I take a break from really long distances, as soon as I go back to doing like a harder effort, longer run, my gut's like, Whoa, what are you doing? Um, and we kind of have to retrain it. And it takes a few weeks, but it, it does come eventually. Does that answer your question? I went on. Yeah, it does. And I love that story. I just love talking about bowel habits because I like getting people feeling more comfortable about it because you and I both know how important it is as a measure of our health and telling us what's going on in our body. So we need to not be so uncomfortable about talking about it. Exactly. People are like, you know, I, you probably don't want to hear this. And I'm like, no, I really do. I really want to hear it. <laughs> actually, if you didn't tell me this, we can't actually make progress. So it's, it's actually really important feedback. <laughs> Well, I love that story and I can definitely relate in certain senses. And I know that I think, especially if you're new to exercise in general and our bodies are really, you know, they're really good at structure and routine and things like that. And so when we give it that, and when we're persistent, I think when you give up on something too quick, you try, you know, one day you say you have a banana before a workout and you, you know, all of a sudden run to the bathroom and maybe have some diarrhea or something. And you're like, oh my gosh, bananas don't work, you know, not throwing in the towel too quickly. And again, that's, that's another thing is just working with a professional that can explain to you kind of the process of how that works and making sure that you're sequencing that practicing and the training of the gut, the same, the same way that you would be training a muscle, you know, your bicep in the gym. And like you said, you know, that first initial weight is going to feel hard. And, but as you get used to it, your body knows what to do. And then you're, you're ready to kind of move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. I love using like that analogy, like training a different muscle because mm -hmm. it's never comfortable at first and then eventually you get better at it. And then that's when you either just keep doing that same activity or, you know, you progress further. 
Yeah. So I think it'd be helpful if we give the listeners kind of our 101 on fueling before. So pre-workout, mid-workout and post-workout, kind of what micro, I mean, not micro, what macronutrients we should be focusing on. And let's start with a pre-workout. So what should someone eat be eating before a workout? And let's say like, obviously timing is going to matter. All of this is going to be, we're all, we're always going to have a disclaimer of it's individualized, depends on the person. It depends on, and specifically here, we're really talking about, you know, running and we can also kind of touch a little bit on just exercise as a whole, because they do overlap. But for the purpose of this podcast, we're really focusing on running and gut health. So pre-workout, um, Holly, what would your suggestion be? Yeah. So like you said, it de- depends on the person, but I would say that pretty much anything, um, pretty rich in carbohydrates would be good. And if you're female, having a little bit of protein in there too, if you can tolerate it, isn't a bad idea, but the main focus should definitely be on those Um, carbohydrates. And especially if you have a sensitive stomach, the closer you get to the actual activity, you definitely want to think about lowering your fiber intake. So choosing Mm -hmm. carbohydrates that are low in fiber. That's right. You just heard a dietitian, a (laughs) low fiber carbohydrate. So we're talking like white bread over wheat bread, applesauce over the apple. You know, it's one of those times where that's just what's appropriate. And that's why no food is a bad food because they all have their purpose. Um, so if you're kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to go run in like an hour or two and I ate, you know, maybe an hour or two ago, and it's going to be a while before I can eat again, you definitely want to think about having like a simple carbohydrate snack. And that could be, you know, like an applesauce pouch or a banana, like you said, or, um, you know, a piece of toast with jam on it, you know, and adding in that little protein component, if you can tolerate it. So, you know, maybe we add, a little bit of peanut butter to that toast, or we take some dates and put peanut butter in those. I really like peanut butter. Um, <laughs> you know, or you do like a Greek yogurt with some fruit in it. And it really does depend on the person. Um, but focusing on the carbohydrates, and if you have a sensitive system, maybe think about lowering the fiber. Mm, definitely. I, I have, uh, I've worked with some pretty high end athletes and they have really bad performance anxiety. And so we really down the fiber pre-workout, especially close to the event. And there, you know, some people are like, you want me to eat white rice and, and white bread and this and that it's like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) So those are some great recommendations. I think I've always found with clients is protein is the hardest one to kind of get creative with. Like eggs doesn't sound like a, you know, doesn't sound like a, something that's appealing to people before a workout, that type of protein usually doesn't mentally sit well with people. So other things that you can think about are, um, you know, like Holly said, a Greek yogurt, that's a, a great option. And the benefit of having that protein in the system, you know, having that protein or the amino acids circulating in your blood can prevent that muscle protein breakdown um, because protein doesn't necessarily serve as a source of fuel for our bodies. It's not the primary source of fuel when we're working out. And so that's why the protein is beneficial for kind of maintaining that, you know, that muscle mass and keeping that, that levels there in the blood. And then the carbs are really what our body needs for that, that fuel source. Yeah. And if you're female, you're definitely going to eat into your muscles quicker than if Mm -hmm. you're a male. So having a little bit of protein on board, if you can tolerate it is going to be a good idea. And if you can't tolerate it, just making sure we get it after, which I'm sure we'll get into, Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, definitely like, and I know Aaron will probably agree with me, we're definitely food forward, but you know, this is sports nutrition is where sometimes if you're looking at performance and you're like, I can't get past the idea of eating a food before I run, but I can put powder into water and drink it. And it's actually going to, you know, help me instead of hurt me, then that's where finding an appropriate supplement can be great to fill in the gaps. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think it's quality of the supplement matters as well as Holly and I definitely have talked about before, you know, that's, it's really important that the quality of the supplement and sometimes, you know, what works for somebody that might seem like the better option might not work for you. Yeah. So mid-workout now, keeping in mind 
the listeners muscles become depleted of glycogen, which is a stored form of carbohydrate after about 60 to 75 minutes of exercise. Therefore, it's critical to replace this glycogen after workout, but it's even more important if you're looking to sustain an activity and keep that energy going into your muscles. This is where if that exercise is over an hour, then we need to maybe be putting some fuel in the tank during exercise. So maybe you can talk about kind of what that would look like. Sure. Yeah. And this is one of like the hardest concepts when you first start exercising for long periods of time, you know, people are like, you know, I, I have to eat while I'm running. Are you kidding me? Um, (laughs) That sounds awful. Uh, Yeah, it's true. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a workout that's 60 minutes or longer, and I kind of couch it with at least by 15 minutes. So really like 75 minutes or longer. Um, or if you just tend to get really, really hungry at the end of your workouts that are about an hour long, you definitely want to consider having some fuel on board to take while you're doing that activity in this case running. So, um, really typically it really helps to have a really quick, um, like carbohydrate source. And there's a ton of like supplements, products that you can use. You can also use real food. Um, but looking at about 60 to 90, Um, or I'm sorry, 60 to 70 grams of carbohydrate per hour can be good for those cases. And if you're looking at sports nutrition products, a lot of them are going to be um, like serving size built for you that way. That's why it's a sports nutrition supplement. Um, And if you're looking at an activity that's even longer by like two and a half hours or longer, having that 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour can also be helpful. And that's something that I I always encourage people to build up to that because you never want to take too much at once. Um, start start small and slow and build your way up because that's that's how you would train any other muscle, right? You would start slow and build your way up and that's how we're going to train the gut too. So mostly having carbohydrates on board um, is going to be helpful. So if you're looking at like a 75 to 90 minute run, like if you're training for a half marathon, that's a really common like long run um, distance for time. You know, you're probably going to want to take a couple things with you so that you have about two to 300 calories with you. Um, and that's going to break down to that 60 to 70 grams of carbs per hour. Excellent. That was very concise. And I hope that everyone can kind of digest that. I love this digest pun intended. Oh yes. (laughs) And some signs Holly kind of highlighted it a little bit there, but if you, if you do experience digestive upset during this time, if you do, it could be, you're not doing the right supplement or you're taking too much at once. Um, I've had a lot of people take, if you're doing a gel, I mean, if you're doing a gummy, for instance, like one of those blocks or chews, you need to drink water with it. A common mistake is people not drinking water with that. And my goodness, the side effects are awful. If it's ever happened to you, I hope it never does, but it's really important again, that these, these resources be utilized properly. Um, I have a few of my favorite supplements that I recommend, um, Morton, Scratch, um, those are my two favorite brands. Do you have any that you recommend in terms of mid-workout? I was going to say Morton's a great one just because it's tasteless. Um, mm-hmm. So like if you're someone who can't fathom the idea of eating something, but you know you should, Morton's a good one. Um, that's me. I really like that one. I also really like Scratch. Um, their hydration stuff is also really good for females. It tends mm-hmm. to be a little bit more diluted. Um than other brands. That's a whole nother topic is hydration. But um, I really like, honestly, I have tried so many things. I field marathons with um, the trick or treat size packages of Sour Patch Kids, um, which if you're just starting out, and that sounds like something you can start with, um, and stomach, so to speak, you know, that's definitely a good option. Um, it's, it's very cheap, which is good. Um, Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish are really quick forms of carbohydrates. They're pretty much a less fancy version of, you know, your cliff blocks um, or those kinds of things. Another one that I really, really like that I just fueled my last marathon with um, was Huma Gel. Oh, yeah, that's a great brand. Yeah, Huma Gel and Spring Energy are both really good. They use real food sources. Um, I think Huma is like ground up chia seeds with fruit. So, Um, Another component of sports nutrition is mixing different kinds of carbohydrates together because your body tends to be able to tolerate that easier. So mixing like chia with um, 
like fruit pureed would be mixing like fructose with glucose. Um, so that it's a little bit easier for your body to digest than if you were to just eat something with just glucose or just fructose. And those two, some of them come with caffeine added. Some of them come with um, extra electrolytes added. And they're, I think they're called the Huma Plus. Those are the ones that I used. Um, those are extra good for like a hot day. <laughs> you know, your race is going to be on a hot day. Um, and Spring Energy too, they have a ton of different stuff. I, I've tried a few of their products, um, but I know they have some that are a little bit more complex. Like there's a little bit of fat and protein in them as well. And they tend to work really well for ultra endurance athletes who are, you know, out in the mountains, <laughs> um, you know, maybe doing lower and slower activity. Excellent. And for those who are listening, who are a little bit more sciencey based and kind of like that background, Holly was talking about how we have different types of carbohydrates, different types of sugars, and our body uses glucose, which is a type of sugar that's found in carbohydrates like bread and pasta and fruits. And our body burns glucose the quickest and it goes straight into your bloodstream and then we have fructose, which I suggest, I typically suggest this to clients in moderation. So like you said, I like to have a combination of the different types to utilize different pathways. But so fructose is a type of a sugar that's found in fruit and vegetables and fruit juice. And unlike glucose, fructose has to be broken down in the liver before it goes to your bloodstream. So you can think of it as like, you know, glucose is going down the one-way highway, fructose gets off an exit and then gets back on the highway before it gets to your muscle. So a combination of glucose and fructose might be beneficial for you, especially digestive-wise, because if you have a straight shot of either fructose or glucose, it might irritate your GI system, or in general, it could just be, you know, less advantage, less of an advantage to you because it's delaying the, the amount of glucose that you're having going to the muscle. Yeah. You're getting traffic on your highway. So to speak. <laughs> I always love coming up with these little analogies. I um, end up in the car a lot with my analogies. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And so now that brings us to post-workout. And so maybe you can kind of touch a little bit on this. I know there's always been this, um, you have 30 minutes, a 30 minute window after your workout. And if you don't get it in, you're, you know, at a loss. So maybe we can kind of talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know, um, like as far as my feeling strategy goes and just with other clients I've seen, like the, the real food route and the like sour patch kid gummy kind of route where it's not like a sports supplement, but it's just any old food, they tend to work really well, but eventually are going to hit a glass ceiling where, you know, you do need to take in a lot more calories. So you're going to have to be eating like so many Swedish fish, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> to meet that. Um, so that's where some of those other products can come into play. And as far as after goes, I would argue the 30 minute window, <laughs> um, if you do get in a post-workout fuel within 30 minutes, you're a champion. That's fantastic. Um, I think for a lot of people, it's not super realistic or, you know, they're coming home to their kids waking up for the day. So they're getting distracted, trying to take care of them. I think as long as you're getting in something within like an hour or two, you know, you're really doing yourself a favor, especially if you're female, I would say, you know, since you're eating into your muscle stores a little bit more um, with the female physiology, you know, it is good to get in something sooner rather than later, but you're not like kicking yourself, you know, or shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak, if you miss something immediately, really just getting in some sort of carbohydrate, some sort of protein, especially if you just did like an aerobic activity, like running is definitely key. I would say within one to two hours, if you can do 30 minutes, great. <laughs> um, but as long as you're having a complete meal within a few hours after, you are going to help your, yourself out there by repleting those glycogen stores, like you talked about, that stored carbohydrate, which is going to give you some energy to go about your day. And then also to start rebuilding your muscles. Um, since when you exercise, you're really shredding up your muscles and you're creating little micro tears. And if you don't give yourself any protein after you work out, those micro tears are just going to continue to be torn. <laughs> They're never going to get rebuilt. So that's why we're looking for protein and carbohydrates. And in terms of real food, I would say, you know, something like chocolate milk, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, that can be digested really well. You can drink it. It goes down really fast. The chocolate component is what gives it the um, amount of carbohydrates you're looking for. And then the milk component would be giving you some protein. 
Another example could be maybe some oatmeal, um, you know, with some hard boiled eggs on the side and some fresh fruit on there. So you're getting some carbohydrates from the oats and the fruit, and then maybe you're also getting some protein from the eggs. Um, you want to get in the sports world, we kind of argue back and forth, <laughs> whether it's a four to one or three to one ratio of carbohydrates to protein. So that would be four, three or four grams of carbohydrates per one gram of protein. And those examples kind of demonstrate what that looks like in real food. <laughs> Excellent. I always say to my clients, I say, you know, when they ask me that question about the window, I say, well, the sooner you start to refuel, refuel the sooner you start to recover. Yeah. So whether the science is, you know, completely there or not, it, you know, I think the most important thing is that if you're not feeling well, if you're, you know, a long run can sometimes totally take someone's appetite away, trying to get something in is more important than nothing. But if you have the ability to get something in, it, you know, start refueling, then that's obviously optimal. Yeah, it's like getting accepted into your your favorite like university you want to go to at the at the early point instead of the late <laughs> point. <laughs> You're yeah. still accepted, but <laughs> you know about it sooner. So yeah, I really like that too. Um, that's where supplements can be helpful if you're someone who just can't fathom the idea of eating after you exercise. And I'm sure you'll touch upon this later, but if you're constantly not refueling and you're exercising a lot, that can take a huge toll on your gut health and therefore your immune system. Um, so if you feel like your workouts are just digging you into a deeper hole and you're never recovering from them, that's where I'd say, Hey, a supplement's going to be better, um, just for you to get it down. And I'm talking about like, you know, like a protein supplement, like protein shake or something like that. Yeah. And I think maybe we can, we can even kind of segue just right into that about just calories as a whole. And like Holly just mentioned, if you are constantly under fueling and under fueling, it, it can be a really sneaky thing because it could mean that you're only under eating by a hundred calories a day. But that 100 calories a day over a month, over a year, over two years, I mean, you're putting your body through high levels of stress. And if you're in a constant deficit, then your immune system is going to be suppressed. The tissues in your body are going to be inflamed, including your digestive system, your gut microbiota, the bacteria in your gut is going to be you know, dysbiosis. So we're going to have an imbalance of these healthy and these unhealthy bacteria. That's going to impact your recovery. It's going to impact your sleep, your mood, your digestion. And when we look at it from a holistic approach, it's not serving you in any way, but especially not in terms of your gut health. So one of the the biggest things that I see in athletes is that they're, they're doing really great. They start a new diet. They're, they're feeling on top of the world. And that slow depletion of those calories or energy from one macronutrient or another turns into this quick, okay, my energy shot, my performance is done. And all of a sudden I've got all these digestive issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I could set it better. It's it, there's a very fine line and you can be under fueling without meaning to, you know, this doesn't mean you have an eating disorder, although that can, you know, play into it a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, under fueling, even by a little bit, or even just by inappropriately fueling. So maybe you're getting not enough of a certain nutrient over time while adding all this stress from exercise to your body, you know, it can kind of dig you into a pretty deep hole. Um, I definitely think too, you know, if you're someone who, does have a sensitive GI system, whether that's related to anxiety, performance, you know, that kind of thing, or just because you have IBS or, or another condition. If you're constantly like having diarrhea or having bloating or, you know, GI issues, and you're losing a lot of your gut bacteria, every time you go for a run, you know, you might find that you get sick a lot, or you might find that you're not sleeping very well, and then you're really not recovering from these workouts. So, um, you know, definitely can really add up a lot. And, you know, you probably start exercising in the first place so that you can be healthier. <laughs> and then, you know, you're digging yourself into a deeper hole. So it is important to kind of take a step back every once in a while and say, all right, am I, you know, am I feeling this way? And do I think it's food related? Or do I think it's related to something, you know, something else? Yeah. And a, an important point there too, that you, you just made me think of was, 
I have clients come in and they say, well, I don't think I tolerate dairy anymore, or I don't think I can eat grains anymore or this or that. And it's, you know, okay, well, two years ago, were you okay eating dairy or two years ago, were you okay eating grains? And so we start to see these food intolerances start to show up because what's happening is that leaky gut where our guts inflamed and things are crossing into our bloodstream and our immune systems are reacting because it's like, what the heck? This stuff isn't supposed to be here. And so, yeah, you might start thinking it's it's the food and it's all of a sudden this magical intolerance that you now have when in reality, if we fix the root cause, if we treat it from a perspective of proper fuel, getting that gut back in balance and properly, you know, getting all the nutrition we need, then you won't be intolerant to those foods and you won't have these, these sensitivities. Yeah, that happens all the time. That happened to me too. I thought, oh man, can I not have dairy anymore? And no, it's just, you know, maybe don't have dairy right before you go for a run, maybe have it after. Um, And I see too, one of my friends, she struggles a lot with um, like gut issues related to running um, since she started running, you know, pretty recently and wasn't always a runner. Um, and she finds like, man, I really have a hard time with fiber and like vegetables and beans. And, you know, we're so trained as a society to think we need to eat all this fiber to be healthy, um, which might be true sometimes, but you know, for runners, sometimes you really don't want to have all of that. And what's going to be healthy for you is actually absorbing the food you eat. So that means maybe quit, quit it with the fiber (laughs) for a little while, at least while you're training intensely. So that was something she found pretty helpful was, you know, when she was really peaking out in her marathon training, um, especially during like the summer months when things were extra sloshy (laughs) in there, you know, she really kind of had success with just saying, all right, I just need to not worry about the vegetables. I need to not worry about the fiber. You know, I'll make sure that I'm getting nutrients from, from other foods. Um, and what's healthy for me is going to be, you know, not having diarrhea nine times a day. So, it's really hard to untrain our brains sometimes to accept that. <laughs> I love that. I think I think highlighting diet culture and I I was on the phone with a client of course because everything's virtual now and yeah. he said he said to me, you know, I said how how'd your run go last week? You know, we're increasing the mileage and he said, oh, "Well, you know, my stomach I it just felt really tight afterwards." He said I had pasta for lunch and I said, "Well, what type of pasta did you have?" He said that chickpea pasta. I had the chickpea pasta. I said, well, we live in a day and age where our crusts are now made of cauliflower, our pasta is made of beans. And so we need to kind of, <laughs> yeah, these questions are important. And so the types of foods are really, and I, and I can speak to from experience of, you know, I didn't mention this either, but I have my own history of being incredibly restrictive with diet because the exact same thing happened to me where I was cutting down my calories and I was increasing my exercise and all of a sudden carrots were bothering me and then asparagus was bothering me. And I got to a point where I was eating like five different foods and my quality of life was awful. My nutrition was awful. And what the solution was, was decreasing exercise, healing my gut and getting those foods back into my diet and properly fueling. And it's so scary too, right? I mean, cause we're, you know, I have a lot of clients who come to me and are like, you know, you know, I tell them typically to eat more and to exercise less if that's something that's going to be helpful for them. And, you know, they're like, well, that can't possibly be the answer, you know, and it's like, well, have you tried that? <laughs> um, and usually the answer is no, because we're afraid to um, just because of the culture we live in. And I love, I love what you said. I mean, I think before I thought I've had celiac disease, I've <laughs> thought that I've been intolerant to dairy I think I thought that, um, like I couldn't do beans or peppers for a while, onions. I mean, I've, I've thought all the things about my own, my own gut health because of a restrictive mindset as well. Um, and I eat all these things now, like in abundance, (laughs) um, and tolerate them just fine. But it is really interesting what you can, you know, kind of make yourself think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's great probably to hear it from two professionals in the field that it doesn't mean you're stupid or you're susceptible to diet culture more than other people. It means that you're human and we've all been there. And that's part of why I think Holly and I, you can probably relate. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because, you know, it's, it's my passion to teach other people so that hopefully they don't have to reach the point that I've met. And it's a, it's a passion to properly fuel these athletes. Yeah. I'm going to go down a side street here real quick and kind of say, you know, I think a lot of us get into the dietetics field when we're in undergrad, because we think, oh, I'm going to learn stuff about nutrition to apply to myself 
Mm -hmm. and be healthy. And then that can sometimes turn into, you know, this rabbit hole of like restrictive behaviors or just being super confused about nutrition, which is not what we expect when we go into the field. And then you come out totally with a different perspective. And I think that's why, you know, I've kind of gone down the route as well of being, um, you know, seeing people one-on-one in my own practice, because I just, you know, I want people to not have to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it, it really, your, your clients are so lucky to have you. And I, I know the same for me that not that my clients are lucky to have me. No, I'm not bragging are. about myself, but, but it <laughs> does bring you a new level of sympathy when you can, you know, say you've been there in their place and, and sympathize there. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And they they are lucky to have you. (laughs) Thank you. I could talk to you all day and I think we're definitely going to have to do another episode because this has just been amazing. And I think we could both go on for hours about this topic, but it's just been such a pleasure. I think hopefully the listeners have gotten so much information out of what we've already given here. Um, so I want to kind of just wrap up with your three takeaways that you would give for the listeners. Um, and, and if, if you want some help pulling something together too, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but what would your three takeaways be, um, for someone who is looking to, you know, just start on their nutrition and an exercise or their running journey. And I can also weigh in on, especially for gut health. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think first, um, I would say one takeaway could be sometimes, with sports nutrition or thinking of yourself as an athlete with any kind of movement you're doing, sometimes you need to think about fueling and eating out of self-care to fuel your body instead of eating because you're hungry, um, which can be really challenging to figure out. But, you know, kind of know that, you know, if you stay the path, you you are going to be able to train your gut to tolerate more foods, and then you're going to have more fuel on board, and then you're going to be able to perform better. The first one would definitely be Sometimes you have to eat when you're not hungry <laughs> in sports nutrition. Um, the second one definitely could look like, you know, as a takeaway thinking, all right, real food first, because I can look at all these nutrients I need that come out of science um, and think, oh, there, man, I'm going to be taking like 10 supplements, <laughs> you know, like glutamine and, you know, protein and carbohydrates and everything. But really, you can just get all these things from real food um, and using some of the resources that either I have or Aaron has um, that kind of give you examples of real food sources to get these things can be really helpful. But big but sometimes if you're thinking, well, but I have to eat sometimes when I'm not hungry in order to perform well, that's when the supplements can be helpful because it's as simple as putting a powder into water and drinking it um, and not having to suffer through chewing a whole meal. (laughs) So kind of thinking where you fall on that category. And then third, um, you know, definitely too much of a good thing is a bad thing. So if you're exercising a lot and um, you know, you're finding that your gut health is suffering or that you can't sleep or that you're getting sick a lot, you have no energy, it might be time to pull back and look at it from a bigger picture perspective to make sure that you're fueling your body well enough because sometimes the answer is slowing down and eating more. <laughs> um, and the gut, you know, mind connection can be really powerful. So I think those would be my three takeaways. I love those. I, I like almost hate to even add to it. And, but the last one, which is going to sound like a promotional point, even though it's not because you know, I've worked with one myself, but work with a professional, you know, just even if it's an initial consult with a a sports dietitian who can just take a look at what you're doing and say, okay, either not enough too much, or, you know, really just take it from a, 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 a clinical and professional lens and tune out the noise. You know, there's so much on social media nowadays. So make sure that the information that you're getting is credible, make sure the supplements that you're getting are you know, credible, which a, a professional can do, a dietitian can do for you. And also just have the support, you know, having the support, knowing that what you're doing is the right thing. Because like we said, stress and not knowing, you know, what could happen or if you're fueling properly can make your gut health worse. So having that support is so important. Having that professional is important. And so that would be the only thing I would add to that. I love all of the points that you said. Yeah. I mean, you look at like, you know, surgeons, they're not operating on themselves. Chiropractors aren't adjusting themselves. You know, a lot of professionals also seek the help of other professionals. I know even if I look at my own fueling and I'm like, wow, something's not right, but I just, I'm in my own head and I can't figure out what it is. (laughs) I will seek help from a professional myself. So 
Um, definitely just having that perspective and, you know, someone like myself or Aaron, we're also going to be there to cheer you on, <laughs> you know, that's super helpful. Um, you know, who doesn't love being cheered on? So yeah, <laughs> having a professional's help can be very helpful. Wonderful. I love it. So lastly, the most important question of the day is what is your favorite childhood memory with food? Oh man, I love that question. Um, I, I had to think about this for a little while because I was like, I just love food so much. There's so many memories, but I kind of narrowed it down just to one of my favorite stories. Um, I grew up a very picky eater, super picky. I, my three favorite foods were like, um, brown sugar, cinnamon, pop tarts and clams. And I also really liked chocolate milk. Yeah. Right. Like what a weird kid. Aaron's like shaking her head in surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. So those are my three favorite foods. And my parents are like, you became a dietitian. That's crazy. So, um, you know, my dad used to, my dad's a pilot. Um, so he was away a lot. And when he used to be home, he always made a point to make me breakfast um, before I would go to school. So one of my favorite memories is just, you know, him every day coming into my room and saying, what do you want for breakfast? And me going, brown sugar, cinnamon, pop tarts, toasted, please. Like always toasted. Like, and he was like, you don't want me to make you like something like from scratch. <laughs> and I just wanted the pop tarts. So that was probably one of my favorite memories. Cause it was just on repeat every day. <laughs> wow. And as you say that, I, can taste them in my mouth yeah. because it brings me back to when I was a kid. And that was one of my favorite things. I never was as fancy and had them toasted like you did <laughs> because I was probably too lazy to do so, but, and not making fun of you at all. My diet was, I was such a picky eater as well. So yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love it. Um, so Holly, thank you so much for joining me today on this talk and for everybody who made it this far um, Holly, if people are looking to find you, um, whether it to be to get your resources, she's got some great free resources on her website, as well as a um, fueling plan for marathon um, runners. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can find me. I'm really active on Instagram. Um, my handle is fit cookie nutrition. Um, that's right. There's a cookie in my nutrition business name. So, um, my handle is fit cookie nutrition. My website is also fitcookienutrition.com. Um, if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, there's a whole link tree there with all of those free guides. So I've got a free stress management guide, a free fueling on the run guide for pre and post workout snack ideas. I've got a five steps to ditch the diet mindset guide to get you out of that vicious dieting cycle of restricting and then feeling like a failure and, you know, starting all over again. Um, and also there's links there to set up a discovery call to work with me. If you want to work in, with me in my one-on-one -on -one coaching program and some other resources as well. Wonderful. Well, Holly, again, thank you so much. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on here. This has been so fun and we will definitely have to do this again. Yeah. Thanks so much, Erin. I'm so happy we got to do this. Me too. All right. I'll see you later. Yeah. See you.